Hey friends, just a heads up about this week's episode. Brian and I got a little bit excited about talking about our theme this week and the episode went kind of long, so we're gonna slice it in half and give it to you in two parts, one this week and one next week. So look out for both halves of this episode coming into your feet. Sunday School for Heathens. The show where we learn about Christianity and how weird it sounds to everyone else. I'm Shannon. And I'm Brian. I am not a priest and I do not have a degree in theology. I'm just the kind of guy who played communion with Ritz crackers as a kid. And frankly, I know nothing. Everything I know about religion comes from pop culture and Dan Brown books. I hate that second part, but I'll get over it. So, Shannon, I decided that we were going to try out something a little different this week. Oh boy. Uh, this week we're going to try, for now I'm calling it a Spot the Differences episode. Okay. If anyone out there has a better name, I will absolutely take it. But the idea of a Spot the Differences episode is to look at a single topic and how it's treated differently across different denominations of Christianity. I love this idea. Cool, I'm glad. There'll be a shift in focus here. So it's going to be more about the present and less about the history leading up to the theology. And so it's more breadth rather than depth of topic. Okay. Should I get my giant piece of paper out so I can create my flowchart of how we get from one to the other? I don't think it's going to be that complicated. I think it's uh, pretty simple. All right. What's the topic we're covering? So the topic we're covering today is initiation. How do you become a member of different denominations of Christianity? That's cool. Where are we starting? We're going to start with the Catholics because they're always the most complicated. Great. We'll get the hard one out of the way first. Yeah. And also, growing up Catholic, it's what I know the most about. That makes sense. So what do you need to do to become a Catholic? So there are three sacraments of initiation. There's baptism, communion, and confirmation. Catholics... If you're starting out born as a Catholic, uh, or into a Catholic family, rather, you do it as an infant. Uh, Done by a priest or a deacon. Deacons are the ones that can get married? Yes. Deacons are like a step below priests. They can do baptisms, and they can help with some parts of the Mass, and they can do marriages. But they can't consecrate the bread and make it into Jesus. They don't have a direct line to God in the same way. Uh, yeah, sure. Every time I say something that Brian can't wrap his head around, he gets gives me an, ah, sure. Well, no, I'm just waiting for people who are not Catholic to yell at me and say that we all have a, a direct line to God and that's why clericalism is bad. And like, yes, I get it. <laughs> okay, well, the point is baptisms, a deacon or a priest. Right. And a baby. And a baby. And you pour water over the baby's head Uh three times. Okay. 
in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Great. And this is where the birdbath comes in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, some of them look like birdbaths. Some of them look like kiddie pools. The baptismal font, so to speak. Exactly. Look I at know you. a few things. So that's what happens in the baptismal font. Uh, baby gets water poured over its head. Uh, then, if you're, again, going from the from the infant track to being a Catholic, you do First Communion around second grade. Okay. And that's been true for about the past hundred years. So, like, seven, eight years old? Exactly. Uh, is there an important significance to that age, or is it just, like, you're old enough to walk and talk and sort of think about things? All right, so without getting into the weeds... Uh, seven or eight is, uh, the age where you start understanding good and bad, generally, is kind of the, I the idea of it. So you can, you can get the sacrament of confession because you need to do that before you take communion because you need to not have any sins on your conscience before you get communion. So in the, like, three steps of becoming a Catholic, so to speak, there's really a 1.5 in there. And that's confession? Correct. Baptism, confession, communion. Yes. And communion is wafers and wine, bread and body, Yes. blood and whatever. And it's a big deal when you do it when you're in second grade. All the little boys are in little suits. All the little girls are in white dresses. I have made the comment that they look like little wedding dresses and been yelled at before, but they kind of do. They, sometimes they have veils. That's awkward. <laughs> but there's a lot of... We can get to women in white dresses in a later episode. Yeah, there's not... There's no wedding symbolism there. It just kind of looks like it. So you do that. And then the last step for being a full Catholic member of the church is confirmation. Okay. And that generally happens between, like, 6th and 12th grade. There's not as standard of a, an age for that. Okay, and what do you need to do to be confirmed? So the bishop shows up and anoints you with oil, and you pick a name of a saint, and that's your confirmation name. And mine is St. Catherine of Alexandria. Uh, we'll get back to her. Uh, now, do you have to do classes or anything before that, or do you just wait around until you can conveniently get a bishop to show up and anoint you? This whole time, you're generally either in Catholic school and you have a religion class as part of your normal curriculum, or you're taking CCD classes. So that's like Sunday school? Yeah, exactly. Like what we're doing now? Yeah, sure. This is what they learned in Sunday yeah. school. Definitely the same. Absolutely. <laughs> and once you've been confirmed, you are a full-fledged yeah. member of the church with all of the rights and responsibilities therein. Yeah, you're an, you're an adult member of the church, and you also receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is uh, related to like spreading the word of God out to other people. Okay, so now you can proselytize? I guess, yeah. Uh, well, so what rights do you get by being a fully-fledged member of the church, other than bragging rights? I mean, not a lot. You can, like give out communion at mass and you can read at mass. I don't think, I think you have to be confirmed to do those. But when you're baptized, you are technically baptized priest, prophet, king. So like the, the prophet part also is kind of already in the baptism, but the Holy Spirit comes down upon you. It's gifts. It's helpful. Catholics. Great. 
Is that also when you can start, they ask you to start paying contributions to your church? Like, is there any requirement for any of that kind of thing? Or is that sort of a case-by-case basis? No. I mean, they'll take your money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, like, as, as a kid, we had kid envelopes where you could put in some loose change. There's not, like, a, a correlation between being an adult in the church and donating, necessarily. Okay. So that's if you're born into a Catholic family and start from the very beginning. What if you want to convert? If you want to convert, you do this thing called RCIA. Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. We finally found the acronyms. Here we are. We've been however many episodes without crazy acronyms, but we found them. They're here. So this one is not even a crazy acronym to me because it's just a very normal acronym in a Catholic church. Remind me what it is again? RCIA. Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. Okay. And so it takes a year and it... Ends with the Easter Vigil, which is the night, the Saturday night before Easter morning. Okay. And you get all three sacraments at once. Water, bread, wine, oil. One, two, three? Yes, but not in that order. <laughs> what? So you get water. Okay. And then you go out into the back because you're all wet, and they put a white robe on you, so you're all fancy and clean. How wet are you going to get in this situation? So you're... Like, picture a kiddie pool. Okay. You step into the kiddie pool. Mm-hmm. You kind of, like, like lean over because... They're about to pour a bucket of water over your head? Not, not like, a whole bucket. Like, think, like a, like, a little bowl. Like, a soup bowl of water worth, but three times dunked on your head. Okay. And then you're wet in your very fancy clothes because you're very dressed up for this event. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. And then... You go out back, and they put a ro- a white robe on you. Great. Think like choir robe, but plain white. Okay. And you come back in, and then they do the confirmation, which is with the oil. Okay. And then after that, when everybody else during mass is doing is doing their regular communion, you are the first one in line, and you do for your first communion. Cool question. Sure. If that all happens on Easter, what if you decide that you want to convert to Catholicism in, like, December? Do you have to wait a year and three or four months or whatever before you can do it? Because it has to be on Easter? Or is it one year from whenever you start, plus, but they like to do it all on Easter because it's convenient? I don't think the program actually takes a whole year. I think it starts up when like school starts okay so in like late august early september but if you miss that and miss the beginning of the program i think you probably have to wait until the next year okay so there is a uh, a time specific situation for converting to catholicism yes it's it's very like marked out they have they have this curriculum you have to do it catholics catholics one more thing on Catholics first that I want to mention before we move on. Catholics, for as like strict as they are about everything else, they will accept a baptism from a non-Catholic church. Okay, so have you been baptized before? Yes, but as long as it is some place that has done it uh, a Trinitarian baptism. So in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Doesn't have to be Catholic, but that counts. So as long as you've been three times over 
in whatever form of baptism, then it, you can bypass the water dunking in public part of this activity. Correct. Because you've already done it once. Yep. And then you just have to do the, the oil and the bread. All right. What if you were baptized as a baby and then, I don't know, your parents left the church or you were separated from your family or whatever and what have you and you were never confirmed or took first communion or you like got to communion but you never were confirmed. Is there a... Nope. Stop Same gap program. Correct. You got to do all of it if you got to do some of it. Okay. Yeah. We're very strict about that. Uh, I think there Completionist. are... Yeah. It's very important. But if you say we're confirmed as a child and then left the church and then came back, you're still just a member of the church because you've already done all the things. Correct. Okay. Once you're confirmed, you're all set. Unless, I don't know, you get excommunicated, which doesn't really happen anymore. Okay. <laughs> but I guess conceivably. And I yeah. think if you're trying to come back to Catholicism after being excommunicated, you have bigger, more complicated problems. Right. I have no idea how that process would even go. I'm not sure they let you. I think that's not how that works. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't really know. Okay. So next denomination, it, well, I don't, I don't know if it's really considered a denomination, but it's a different thing. Uh, Orthodox, which is... Yeah, let's talk about this. Because I don't know if I understand. Because there are Catholics. Correct. There are Russian Orthodox. Correct. Shout out to my Aunt Nancy. I don't know if she listens yet, but she probably will at some point. This is right up her alley. Hi, Aunt Nancy. Uh, and then there's Greek Orthodox. Correct. And those are all different. But they are also not all different. So, the Orthodox versus Roman Catholic split is the East-West Schism. Great. Constantinople and yes. Rome and whatnot and half. So way back before the Protestant Reformation, all of that split. And the, or, the different orthodoxes are all kind of loosely affiliated. Catholic among them or the no. other ones? Uh, Catholic is the Western Church and the all of the orthodoxes are the eastern church and they're kind of their own separate thing and they're not under the pope that's okay. kind of the biggest difference they don't get the pope yeah and they don't have an anti-pope or any of the other big things they just have their bishops and their people yeah and they have basically head bishops that are in charge of the different sections okay so it's Pretty pretty similar overall, but they they definitely have their own customs. Mm -hmm. And I'm lumping into Orthodox Byzantine Catholics, which are kind of like a middle road. They're in communion with the Catholic Church, so they're under the Pope. Okay. But if you go to a Byzantine church, it's going to look a lot more like an Orthodox church in the iconography and the all the fancy things that they do. Yeah, when I think Orthodox, I think like gold and ornate and very ritualized and sort of specific in a lot of ways. Exactly. And I guess I think about that as a Catholic thing too, but not quite to the degree. Yeah, and so Byzantines are Catholics. They're just kind of different. They're fancy Catholics. Yeah, I like that. Fancy Catholics. So... Pretty much the same okay. is the initiation in in a very general sense. Not done by a bishop, though, because the 
Roman Catholics have their confirmation done by a bishop. In the Orthodox Church and the Byzantine Church, it can just be a priest. Okay, so you don't have to, like, wait for the local bishop to make his rounds through town to come do ceremonies at everybody's churches. Exactly. Is it because there's less bishops? No, it's because of a deeper theological debate about if confirmation should be more attached to baptism or if it should be more attached to the church as a whole. Okay. And so they side on the, this is more about you and your community here and now. They side on it should be attached to baptism so that you are fully in the church as an infant. Okay. Whereas it was important to the Roman Catholic Church to split it so that you're you're including the bishop so you're tied into the larger church and not just your own local parish. That's kind of the idea where the difference comes from. All right. So is the process different other than the bishop situation or is it still baptism, communion, confirmation? It all happens as a baby. Okay. I mean, it can't happen with Oil, bread, not wine? Well, yes, wine. So... Bread, oil, blood, body, whatever the stand-ins are. Yeah, and it's easier to give this kind of communion to a baby because instead of it being a glass of wine and then a little host, it's a glass of wine with little hunks of bread in it and a spoon, and you just kind of, like, drop it in the person's mouth. Okay. You, like, fish out a little chunk of bread and wine-soaked bread and feed it to this baby? Exactly. And this is what my mom did. Interesting. Okay, so she got it all done when she was a baby, and there wasn't a system of doing it later. Yeah, it, and you can do it later, like if you join the church later. Um, I, as far as I can tell, there's not as clear of an RCIA program. I think it's kind of up to the individual priest to make sure that if somebody wants to join, they're educated. Which comes back to the whole, it's about your community and your parish and all of that with the baptism and the not needing a bishop whatnot. Yeah, definitely less of an emphasis on the hierarchical structure. Great. So another difference, uh, they call confirmation chrismation. Chrismation. Yes, chrismation because of the chrism, which is the oil. Okay. This nice smelling oil is called chrism. Chrism. And because it's done as a baby, it's less about being an adult in the church and more just about receiving the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's more about connecting you to God and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the whatnot and the so forth? Correct. It's like you're now looped in to the thing? Yeah, you are now a full member of the church. It all happens at once. We don't delay you becoming a member of the church in any kind of way. All right. Well, I think we have hit our stopping point for today because we're running a little long. So now we're going to go to a Patronage pop quiz. Okay. Let's see how I do this week. I am 0 and 3, 1 and 3. I think you got one. I can't remember if we gave me Thomas DeSales or not. I think we did. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, though. Okay. But for first-time listeners, this is the segment of the show where I tell Shannon about a saint, and she has to guess what they are the patron of. Who do you have for us this week? So I said it before, we were going to get back to St. Catherine of Alexandria, my confirmation saint. All right. 
St. Catherine of Alexandria was born to a noble family in Alexandria, obviously, in the 3rd century. Okay. She was possibly a princess, and she was very well educated because of her family's status. She had a vision of Mary and the baby Jesus when she was 14, and she decided to become a Christian. When the Emperor Maxentius started persecuting people, she went to denounce his cruelty, even though she was only a teenager. He didn't execute her, though, for being a Christian. He ordered 50 orators and philosophers to debate her. Yes! <laughs> she was moved by the Holy Spirit to speak eloquently enough in defense of her faith that she defeated all of them. As a teenager? Yeah, as a teenager. I mean, she, she was so good that people converted on the spot and were executed for it on the spot. Oh my god. Uh, the emperor quickly realized this was not working and ordered her to be executed instead. She was tortured and imprisoned, but while she was in prison, she converted 200 people, including the emperor's wife. Oh, wow. As a last-ditch effort, the emperor said that he would marry her and make her a powerful empress if she gave up Christianity. She said no, because she was already married to Christ, and her virginity was dedicated to him. Amazing. He got mad and ordered her put to death on a braking wheel, which is where your limbs are threaded through the spokes of a wheel and your bones are shattered with an iron rod. It's very slow and painful. <sighs> but Catherine touched the wheel and it shattered. Oh my god. So she was beheaded, but then angels carried her body away. <laughs> There's also a legend from the 9th century that her body was found and her hair was still growing and a constant stream of oil was flowing from her body. From where in her body? I don't know. I don't want to know. Never mind. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's a legend. It's a legend. It's fine. <laughs> so, Shannon, what is St. Catherine of Alexandria the patron of? I think I know. Okay. I hope I know. Is she the patron saint of public speaking? Kind of. You're close. So, preachers is in there. Alright. What about, like, debaters or orators or any of that stuff? No. Okay. What is she the patron saint of, in addition to preachers? She has a long list. She is the patron of apologists, craftsmen who work with wheels. Yes! <laughs> archivists, attorneys, barristers, dying people, educators, girls, jurists, Knife grinders, knife sharpeners, lawyers, librarians, libraries, maidens, mechanics, millers, nurses, old maids, philosophers, potters, preachers, scholars, schoolchildren, scribes, secretaries, spinners, spinsters, stenographers, <laughs> students, tanners, teachers, theologians, turners, the University of Heidelberg, the University of Paris, unmarried girls, and wheelwrights. Also, some other places that I will not list. <laughs> That's a lot of things. She's yeah. very cool. She's very cool. But it, it seems it's mostly like <laughs> things to do with wheels, things to do with ladies, and things to do with people who talk out loud in front of groups and convince them to do things. Yeah, basically. Barristers, attorneys, preachers, theologians, etc. Yes. So I picked her because I wanted to be a teacher when I was a kid. Okay. And she's the patron saint of teachers. I like that. Well, I think that's it for today. That is it. Uh, if you want to reach out to us about your baptism stories, 
you are welcome to tweet at us at school number four heathens or email us at sundayschoolforheathens at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Adam Griffin. You can check him out at alteringgravity.wordpress.com. Our logo is by David Griffin. Thanks for the editing help. David couldn't have done it without you. Special thanks to... Special thanks for help with uh, learning about the different denominations from Aaron, Jack, Megan, Andrew, Abby, Amy, Nick, and Lori. That's all we've got for today. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to like and share the pod.